Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join with us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we will also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Welcome to Golden Gems. This is Dave Sean, Bill Hansen, featuring one of the great artists of the golden days of radio. And today we're featuring one of the great musicals on Broadway and a great motion picture that was done later with that, Camelot. Camelot is a musical with music by Frederick Lowe and lyrics in a book by Alan J. Lerner. It is based on the legend of King Arthur as adapted from the 1958 novel The Once and Future King by T.H. White. The original 1960 production, directed by Moss Hart, with orchestrations by Robert Russell Bennett and Philip J. Lang, ran on Broadway for 873 performances, winning four Tony Awards. It starred Richard Burton as Arthur, Julie Andrews as Guinevere, and Robert Goulet as Lancelot. Boy, what a lineup. (laughs) The action starts at the end of the plot. Arthur demands that Merlin take him back to the beginning. Act 1. King Arthur is nervous about his upcoming arranged marriage and is hiding in a tree. Merlin the magician, his wise tutor, calls Arthur down to warn the young king that he must learn to think for himself. Merlin, who lives backward in time and remembers the future as well as the past, knows he will soon be separated from Arthur. Merlin persuades Arthur to climb down and chides him for his unkingly behavior. Arthur, then left alone, ponders both his subjects and his own feelings about the intended nuptials. Arthur hears someone coming and scampers up the tree again. Guinevere, Arthur's intended bride, comes to the woods. She does not like the idea of being queen, preferring to live the life of an ordinary nobleman's daughter. She stumbles into Arthur, who initially calls himself Wart his daughter, childhood nickname, and then hearing of her reluctance to marry, tells her of the joys of life in Camelot. It is love at first sight, and they almost kiss, but are interrupted when Arthur's attendants come upon the two of them. He is revealed as the king. He tells Guinevere the story of how he pulled the sword from the stone and became king, and she finally agrees to marry him. The wizard Merlin is amused by this development, but his joy turns to sorrow as his memories of the future begin to fade. He realizes that Nimue, a beautiful water nymph, has come to draw him into her cave for an eternal sleep. He begs Nimue for answers, as he has forgotten if he has warned Arthur about two important individuals, Lancelot and Mordred. His memories fade permanently, though, and he is led away. Five years later, Arthur sits with Guinevere in his study, discussing his views on knights and chivalry. He explains that he wishes to create a new kind of knight, 
one that does not pillage and fight, but tries to uphold honor and justice. He's eventually inspired, with Guinevere's help, to establish the round table with the motto, Might for Right. Within a few years, Arthur's ideas leads to the Knights of the Round Table, being renowned all over England, and their fame even spreads to France. A young, pretentious, and over-religious French prince from Joyous Guard named Lancelot de Lac has heard of the Round Table and is determined to come to Camelot and join Arthur's Knights, confident that he is perfect for the post. King Pellinore, an elderly man who was a friend of Arthur's family, also comes to Camelot to witness Arthur's greatness for himself. He inadvertently wanders into the May Day festivities, organized by Guinevere. On learning who he is, Guinevere orders a guest room to be prepared and has one of the knights escort him to the castle. Pellinore becomes part of the family. He's still present at the musical's conclusion many years later. As Pellinore departs, King Arthur arrives with Lancelot and introduces him to the company. Guinevere is put off by Lancelot's boastful manner, and her attempts to draw him into conversation seem only intended to prove him wrong about his apparently unrealistic claims about his own prowess. The knights and ladies of the court watch in amusement. Guinevere incites three of the knights, Sir Dinadad, Sir Sagamore, and the burly Sir Lionel, to challenge Lancelot to a joust. Arthur, who, unlike everybody else, is friendly with Lancelot, is dismayed by this, and is at a loss to understand a woman's ways, though he cannot be angry with Guinevere. In the jousting match, Lancelot easily defeats all three knights. He wounds Sir Lionel, who fights him last so badly that the crowd thinks he is dead. But the dismay of the crowd turns to awe, as Lancelot's distraught cries for Sir Lionel to live seem to resurrect a dead man. Whether it is an actual miracle or not, the entire court believes it to be one, and all the knights and ladies bow or curtsy to Lancelot, paying homage to him as he passes by. Guinevere curtsies to him too, and as he kneels before her, their eyes lock, and both seem to realize something that neither understood before. Arthur notices their silent exchange. In the scenes that follow, Guinevere is torn between her new love for Lancelot and her love and loyalty for Arthur. She wishes Lancelot would leave Camelot. In spite of Lancelot's boast that he is immune to pleasures of the flesh, he is also madly in love with Guinevere and also torn by the conflict between that love and his devotion to Arthur, who makes Lancelot a knight of the round table. Arthur, realizing that Lancelot and Guinevere have feelings for each other, hopes it will blow over and soliloquizes to his sword Excalibur that they will rise to the challenges they will all face together. Act two starts many years later when Guinevere and Lancelot are still tormented by their unfulfilled love. She tries to get rid of him, but Lancelot will not leave her. They both believe that Arthur is not aware of it. Nevertheless, she remains faithful to Arthur and helps him in carrying out the affairs of state. Mordred, 
Arthur's illegitimate son comes to Camelot to dishonor the king and tries to gain the throne for himself. Arthur puts him in charge of the knight's training program, not knowing that Mordred is there to destroy the round table in revenge against Arthur for abandoning him. And he detests the idea of being a knight. Arthur begins to feel the strain of ruling England, and both he and Guinevere wonder what commoners do without such responsibilities. Mordred, meanwhile, has devised a plan to ruin Arthur and his kingdom permanently. He enters an enchanted glade where his aunt, the sorceress Morgan Le Fay, dwells in the invisible castle. Morgan has a sweet tooth, and though she likes Arthur, Mordred manages to bribe her with a large supply of sweetmeats to build one of her invisible walls around Arthur for one night, so that when he goes on his hunting trip the next day, he will not be able to get back to the castle. Meanwhile, Mordred incites the knights to remember their former days of fighting and pillaging and turns them against Arthur. With Arthur gone, Lancelot, unable to stop himself, visits Guinevere in her chambers, as Mordred fully suspected he would. They kiss passionately. However, Lancelot and Guinevere's affair and Mordred's machinations come to a head when Mordred and some of the knights of the round table interrupt, accusing Lancelot of treason and try to take him prisoner. Lancelot fights them off and escapes, but Guinevere is arrested and tried, found guilty of treason by reason of her infidelity and sentenced to be burned at the stake. At the execution, Arthur watches from a distance as Mordred taunts him for his failures. He is torn between upholding his law and doing his duty as king or sparing Guinevere, whom he still loves in spite of everything. At the last moment, Lancelot arrives with an army, rescues Guinevere and takes her off with him to France. But in the process, Lancelot has been forced to kill some of the other knights, leaving the survivors vowing revenge. For the sake of his own honor and that of Camelot, Arthur must now wage war against Lancelot. Mordred has taken up his own army against Arthur back in England. The war takes a terrible toll on Camelot, as more than half of the knights of the round table are killed. Before the final battle, Arthur meets Lancelot and Guinevere, Lancelot and Guinevere's relationship has floundered, doubtless because of their guilty consciences. Guinevere has become a nun, and the round table is now broken. They offer to face up to justice in England, but Arthur will not see Guinevere burned or Lancelot beheaded. He forgives them both, and they depart separately. That night in camp, Arthur meets a young stowaway named Tom of Warwick, likely Sir Thomas Mallory, who has come to join the round table. His speech reminds Arthur of the idealism and hope that he had as a young king and inspires him. Arthur Knight's Tom sends him back to England to grow up there that he might pass on to future generations the ideals of chivalry and Camelot. Camelot opened on Broadway at the Majestic Theatre on December 3, 1960, and closed on January 5, 1963, after 873 performances and two previews. 
It won four Tony Awards. The original cast album was America's top-selling mono LP record for six weeks. The show was revived on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater from November 15, 1981 to January 2, 1982, and was broadcast on HBO a year later, starring Richard Harris as Arthur, Meg Bussert as Guinevere, Muenas as Lancelot, and Thor Fields as Tom of Warwick. Harris, who had starred in the film, and Muniz, who also took the show on the tour nationwide. Well, thanks for being with us today as we took a look at another great Broadway production, Camelot. Be sure to listen to the great music from the play on goldengems.net. Bill and Dave, thanking you for being with us today, and we'll see you again for our next episode. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are reliving some of the unforgettable memories from the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artist and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We would love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems.